Okay, great to see everybody. Uh, great to talk about Parshas Chayisara, which is also one of the uh, monumental Parshas in Sefer Bracious, uh, mostly because you know, it deals with almost one topic, and that topic is very foremost uh, on everybody's mind, which is specifically the topic of Shiduchim. Uh, this is the week of uh, where all the Rebbeim, not all the Rebbeim, but many, 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 Divrei uh, Torah talk about uh, Shiduchim. In fact, uh, the booklet I usually get of Rav Melech Biederman uh, is entirely devoted to the topic of Shiduchim this week. This is the this is this is the parsha of being in the parsha, as they say. But either way, there's obviously other things that are going on. And we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely talk about that as well. And just to just recap the, the parsha quickly. Again, obviously Sarah passes away, uh, and Avram struggles to secure her burial. Uh, he sends then Eliezer, right, who's the ultimate servant, we'll talk about for a few minutes, to find a wife for Yitzchak, uh, because he realizes, listen, in Malach Shavei Masai, uh, Eliezer, the, the Torah recounts the story of Eliezer's journey, uh, the test at the well, obviously meeting uh, Rivka, uh, and then going back to their house, asking for a hand in marriage for, for Yitzchak, and taking her back. Uh, Rivka and Yitzchak marry, and then there's some quick hits uh, to end off the Parsha. Avram remarries and has many children. He gives, obviously, everything that he has to Yitzchak, uh, and then Avram passes away, and Yitzchak and Yishmael bury him, bury him together, and then we have a quick uh, genealogy uh, of Yishmael. Okay, so that's, that's, uh, that's basically a quick re- recap. Uh, so let's talk about a couple of the, a couple of the more uh, prominent things in the Parsha. First of all, there's something that needs to be addressed. It's a pretty well-known Rashi. We definitely learned it when we were young. And uh, it needs uh, its tzarechian, as they say. <clears throat> Rashi says, famous Rashi, that uh, Chayisara that comes after the Akedah, right? Because what happens? Avram went to do the Akedah. The Sultan came to Sarah and said, Did you hear about the Akedah? Avram almost shechted Yitzchak. And Parcha Nishmasa Mimena Umesa, and then. That's why Sarah died, right? Right? Through the news of the Akedah, that's how Sarah died. And many people ask, I happen to hear this Shiloh from uh, Ravi Shai Konigsberg, uh, who's now a Rebbe in Yishrei Lev. He was a Rebbe uh, when I was Shana Bet. Uh, he was one of my Rebbe in Shana Bet, my Musa Rebbe, so I, I remember a lot, of his, uh, a lot of his Torah. So yes, how does that make sense? Right? How does this make sense? First of all, Sorrow was tremendous tzaddikus. Second of all, right, not to just to be, uh, you know, hey, how are you? Uh, not to be sentimental, but Sorrow was a greater Navi than Avraham. The Puzzle says, Kol Hashar Shma when they were fighting about what to do with, Yish- with Hagar uh, and Ishmael. And the Puzzle says, Hashem told Avraham, hey, listen, you got to listen to Sarah. And Rashi there says she was a greater Navi than Avraham. So how in the world could we say that Sarah couldn't listen, couldn't hear the, the story of the Akedah? Rashi says that she died because she heard from the Sultan that Avram wants to do the Akedah. I don't understand. Avram did it flawlessly, right? Passed the test, totally fine, perfect. Amazing. That's the paradigm for taking it, passing a test. And Sarah died, yet yeah, Sarah died from the shock? What, she didn't have any years, Shemayim? What's going on? Uh, she didn't have any years, Shemayim? Right, is she uh, or Emuna Gamzulatova? What Sarah didn't have uh, any any. She wasn't able to withstand any Sion? So the many answers. Uh, the easy answer is that a mother's rachim and a mother's mercy is different than a father. Uh, but eh, I don't love that answer because Tachlis parents love their kids, and Avram obviously uh, had a big Nisayon uh, to do the Akeda. And he, again, it, whatever, I don't love that answer. Uh, second answer 
quickly is that uh, it seems like the Medrash, the Pirkei Rebbe Lezer, seems to imply that that's not exactly what happened. He quotes it a little differently, uh, and and he says that basically Sarah died because of the at the end when she heard that he was still alive, so she died from from the from the, from the joy from the joy of hearing that it didn't actually happen that Yitzchak was still alive. So that's that was it was so joyous that there was such an incredible expression of emotion, and that's why she passed away. Okay, I mean, fine. But the answer I heard from Rav Konigsberg, uh, I think this is in the Siva Shalom approach. Uh, I haven't seen it in many years, though, so I could be off. Uh, I haven't seen it inside. But anyway, so definitely heard this from Rav Konigsberg. He said um, that she didn't really die because, of, because the Sutton told her. The Pazik says, there's a Medrashtan Chuma like this, the Pazik says, Shnei Chayei Sara, that these, these are the are the of the days of Sarah, right? Right? It counts off Sarah's life, and then it says, These were the years of Sarah. And and you already counted the years for me. You don't need to say that. So the second time, what that what that means at the end of that first Pasuk, it means that she died on time. That she lived a full life and she died when she was supposed to. So the Satan, knowing this, obviously, because he's the Satan, so he came to her in the last moments of her life and said, Did you hear about the Akeda? And she dropped dead. So, why does Sutton do this? That's what it means. It doesn't mean she died because of the Akedah, but she died right after the Sutton told her about the Akedah. Now, what, so, no, so there's no slight on Sarah, but, but the question remains, like, why in the world would the Sutton do that? Like, what, what does he stand to gain? So, if you have a Mayriv, not like tonight, but like all the time, uh, there's a phrase that we say in Hashkivenu. It's that we say in HaKosh Baruch Hu, please save us. Right? The Satan before us and after us. Right? We say it in Mariv every single night. Now, everybody knows right, the Satan before. Right? We all know Satan tries to get us to do Averos, tries to get us not to do Mitzvos. But there's a Satan Me'acharenu also. There's a Satan afterwards. And explains of Königsberg that, based on uh, the Gemara that says this, that the Satan basically tried to get Avram not to do the Akedah, right? He tried to get Avram, right? He turned into, the Medrash says he turned to, into a river, and an old man came to him and said, how, how are you crazy? You're going to shock your kid. Well, okay, so Avram obviously didn't listen to him, and he did the Akedah. So the last trick in the Satan's bag was to make Avram regret doing the mitzvah. Right, to say Avram does this incredible Nisayan and comes home, hey honey, guess what happened? And she finds out he finds out that Sarah died, it's gonna say it wasn't worth it. Right? It says, it says the Gemara, I forget where it is exactly, but it says the Gemara where you that if you do a mitzvah and then you regret it, you lose the schar for the mitzvah. Right? So if you get an invite to the party, right, and you make a bold choice, and this party's not kosher enough for you, and then you hear about how amazing it was, and you regret not going. You lose the scar for doing that incredible mitzvah. If you decide not to use your phone on Shabbos, and then on Motzi Shabbos, you turn on your phone and you have a million texts and a million messages, and everybody's like, where were you? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you weren't. So you, and you regret not using your phone on Shabbos, you lose the scar for that mitzvah. So that was the Sultan's play. That was the Sultan's play. To one last st- stroke to try and get Avram to regret and lose the schar for doing the Akedah. And obviously, what's at stake? The, the Akedah is the greatest Nisan of all time. It stands for us for generations. We've lost Shofar on Yom Narayim, on Rosh Hashanah, because of the Akedah. So there's a lot at stake for the Sultan. So he basically wanted to try he had one last trick to get Avram to regret doing the Akedah and lose all the schar. And for us, that's something to pay attention to because very often, right, we, we, you know, we struggle. It's, we're aware of the struggle before it, and before Mitzvah and Averos, Right? And very often we feel like we've accomplished 
uh, and we have, right? When we make the right choices, we feel like we've accomplished. But don't be afraid of what comes after, right? Don't, uh, don't be unaware of what comes after. Because sometimes, right, there will be scenarios where you kind of regret and you're not so happy and you think you, you made a strong choice and you made a proud choice and you made a difficult choice. But then the aftermath, you're like, mm, I really wish I hadn't done that. So you could, you could possibly lose all the effort that you made. So make sure, right, don't forget it, right? And then the Sultan tries to get us sometimes, make us regret doing all the mitzvahs and, and, and keeping all the halachos that we did. So just to be aware, right? But, right, be aware of that Sultan. Uh, afterwards. Uh, along the same lines, although not exactly the same lines, but I guess similar, uh, there's a fascinating comment of the Ramban and the Rabbeinu Yonah, I think. Definitely the Ramban, I think it's the Rabbeinu Yonah on Perkyavos. I think that both of them, definitely the Ramban, counts the last test of Avraham. Now I'm doubting myself because I wasn't sure. All right, anyway, let's just say it like this and we'll look up the sources afterwards. The Ramban and Rabbeinu Yonah say that the last test of Avraham was not the Akedah. That the ten tests, right, that the Mishnah lists off in Perakeh and Perkeavos, right, the last test was not the Akedah. It was actually finding a burial plot for Sarah, right, in the beginning of this week's Parsha. Now, what in the world is that? So, again, Avram was promised that this Eretz Yisrael would be his, and then he couldn't even buy, right, a burial plot for his beloved wife for less than 400 Shekel Kesar, a tremendous amount of money. Uh, so, that's that. That is the last Nisayon. So, but how does that work? How does that, how does that even possible? Right, the Akedah was an all timer. So two sides of the same answer. And first of all, we we did mention something like this last week or, or two weeks ago. I don't remember. But uh, by Lechlecha, by sometimes the test that is on the day to day, the Yom Yomi, the regular kind of in the regular schedule, is harder than the Akedah type moments. Right, the Gemara says Navoda Dafirches, and it tells a story about Rochanan ben Trajon. So he went to visit a friend of his, uh, Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma, when Rabbi Yosef got sick. And he asked, Rabbi Yosef, do you think that I'm going to get into Olam Havla? So Rabbi Yosef ben Kisma asked him, what, well, what are your mice and tovim? What, what great actions do you have? So the Gemara there says, fascinating Gemara, that Rabbi Chanina said to him, once his Matanus Lavionim got mixed up with regular tzedakah, right, and he gave them both to tzedakah. Right, meaning he paid, meaning he, basically he lost his or maybe got mixed up in Hulan, I don't remember. But basically what happened was he, he lost his Matanus Lavionim money, uh, or it got mixed up with other money, and he basically gave it all at Staka. Right? He basically gave it, he gave double just to make sure uh, that he actually gave all at Staka and, and the mitzvahs properly. And Rabbi Yossi there said, oh, I'm so envious uh, of your portion in the next world. Which is crazy, because Rabbi Chanan ben Chajon was one of the Asar Haruge Malchus. Right, he was teaching Torah to the masses when the Torah, the Romans decreed right not to do that. Right, he ended up getting burned with a Torah scroll right, wrapped around his body, and it, you know, we read about this on Tishbev and Yom Kippur. So now, obviously, he couldn't say that at the time; he didn't know that that was going to happen. But obviously, we're dealing with a tremendously righteous individual. So the best thing he could come up with was like, once I wasn't sure if the money was stucka, so I gave it a stucka. Like that's really not such a big deal, I would argue. So again, there's this idea that this quiet, the quiet times show what a person's really like. In times of great mysterious nefesh, there is a certain koch that a Jew has to be most nefesh. But on a day-to-day, right, when things come up, and certainly with money, I remember my personally, I had a, Baruch Hashem, we moved into a new place, and I had to go buy mezuzahs. 
And the price, I don't know if you guys, probably good, why would you guys know this? The price of mezuzahs just jumped ridiculously because for whatever reason, there's a shortage of sulfurin, uh, probably because of, you know, uh, I don't know, they blame inflation, COVID, whatever, I don't know. So the price for mezuzahs jumped ridiculously. And I was like freaking out because I'm trying to figure out where I can get the best deal on a mezuzah. And in my head, and I realized, I was like, what am I doing? We dive in every single day that we should have money in order to do mitzvahs and keep the Torah, etc. So now I'm going to cheap out on mezuzahs. Like, I'm going to buy all this other random stuff, but I'm going to cheap out on mezuzahs. So anyway, anyway so, that, so the day-to-day is where, where a person really shines when you're, or for monetary matters, etc. Now, just as an aside, Rabbi Chanina didn't tell Rabbi Yossi about his great moments teaching Torah because Rabbi Yossi, the Gemara there says Rabbi Yossi ben Kisma didn't approve of that. Right? And he thought that that was a bad thing that he was doing and he thought he was going to be uh, put, putting his life in danger in Kachaya. So that's why I didn't say that. But anyway, it's the day-to-day that, uh, that's, that's the message from that Gemara, or one of the messages from that Gemara. But the second, and this is what's related to what the Vort we said before, is that after the Akedah, right, a tremendous spiritual moment, right, for Avram, obviously, there is a chance and a propensity for a person to fall. Right? When a person goes through a tremendous righteous, or a tremendous ordeal and is successful, comes out on top, right, right on a, in a spiritual way, right, there is a very big danger that right after that there'll be a letdown. For example, right after Yom Kippur, very natural, right, Sukkot is coming around, very natural to have to have a letdown, to take it easy, right, to uh, you know after a tremendous you know, spiritual nisayon after seminary, let's say for example, right, very easy to let it slide, to let it go over the summer. Uh, you know, again, they have this, to, to be a guy for a second, that they have this uh, concept all the time, the concept of a letdown game, right, in football or in basketball, right, after a big, big game, you get all excited, all pumped, and the next game, eh, they just, you know, you just don't bring it, you just don't have the energy, right, that's, that's like the hallmarks of like an amazing team, like when the Shaq and Kobe Lakers went like 72 and 10, right, the fact that you could win that many games, even though, right, you have to, br- you have to bring it night after night, even after an exhausting, intense day, to, to bring it the next day for the same intensity, um, so that's, so that's, that's, uh, that's, that's the, that's the sign of, of, of Chai Sara, of trying to find a burial plot for Sara, and after the Akedah, again, Avram, what happened, he, he, after the Akedah, he came back, and he counters trouble buying a plot for Sara, right, even though Hashem promised him the entire land, right, that's a real test in Emunah, Bitachon, right, Avram just did some legendary things, you would think that Hashem would be like, all right, no problem. Here's your reward. I'll take care of you. No, not at all. He comes back and he has another Nisayon. Hey, I would have been, personally, I would have been like, hey, come on. I just did this incredible thing. Now you can't let me, at least let me bury her. Forgot. So no, so, that's, so that was another Nisayon that Avram had to have Emuna Bitochon, another test to his Emuna, right? And Avram had to watch, down, watch out for a letdown, right? That was in many ways harder than the Akedah. Uh, and also, it couldn't have happened any other time than right after the Akedah, because that's exactly the Nisayon. The Nisayon is right after you have some spiritual success, right? To follow it up with another one and not get, let your guard down and, and you know, take it easy for the next couple of days, because that Nisayon, right? At that point, right, very often, our person is very weak and, and, and they have to, you know, guard it against, uh, against this possibility. Okay. Yeah, now, a person's not necessarily very weak, but it might be like, it feels like he, they put in all their efforts and they're kind of like exhausted. They just want to relax. Okay, meaning they're, they're susceptible to uh, falling with uh, the Yitzhahara. Okay, uh, moving on now. Eliezer goes to get uh, Rivka and he makes this tonight, right? Eliezer, if you remember, Eliezer goes to a land he's never been to and he's like, yeah, I don't know anybody here. So the Puzzle says, right, he goes to Aram the Aram, the Aram's family. So the Puzzle says, right, 
Uh, just to read it quickly. Uh, Eliezer says, listen, God, right, please do me a favor. I say, Chesed in Adunia Avraham, please do Avraham a Chesed. I'm chilling here, right, by, by the well, right? I'm trying to find one girl in a town. It's like a needle in a haystack. I don't know who these people are, right? I'm going to, uh, you know, if I start asking around, right, they see me, he came with a tremendous amount of wealth. So if I start asking around, or just as an aside, why didn't you just ask somebody? Because dude's coming with a camel's loaded with gold and jewelry and gifts. So, obviously they're going to pull a prank and, and say, oh yeah, it's my daughter, it's my daughter, it's my daughter. No one's going to give him a straight face, uh, give him an answer, a straight answer. Um, and then you see that's what happened with Love Unready, tricked that Yaakov, right? You could see that you know, people there are not uh, necessarily trustworthy. So you couldn't ask anybody. So he goes to Akosh Baruch Hu, and he says, all right, listen, I'm sitting here by the well, all the daughters are coming out, right? So he says, I'll, I'll make you, uh, let's make a password, right? A, a passcode, right? I'm going to say, give me a drink. And she's not only going to say, sure, I'll give you a drink, but I'll also give your camels. That's, that's the girl. And that's how I know that that's the girl. But we're going to make a code. I'm going to say, give me a drink. And she's going to say, have a drink, and I'll also give your camels. If she says that, so then that makes sense. That that's got to be the girl. Okay, good. What happens Right. What happens? Eliezer goes up, sure enough, sees Rivka, asks for water. Rivka responds with the proper code phrase, no problem. And at that point, you would expect Eliezer to take out all the gold, put the necklace around her, around her head or whatever, around her neck or whatever, and say, okay, mazel tov. But that's not what the Puzzle says. The Puzzle says that afterwards. But there's a Puzzle in between. Right? That Eliezer is standing there, and he says, the Puzzle says, Vaish mishta'ela. And the man is shocked and literally astonished or like wondering. Macharish, quiet, ladas, waiting to know if Hashem has made him successful or not. Basically, Eliezer got the passcode, got the right phrase, and is standing there wondering, maybe this is her. Like, uh, hello? <laughs> Didn't you just like, I literally just read this in the Torah three minutes ago. Like three less. Like that was literally what you just said. It was right away. When Hashem brought you the exact goal right away, said the passcode, and you're just standing there like dumbfounded, like, ooh, maybe this will work out. So what is in the world is going on over here? So it could be, I thought, that the answer could be found in the beginning of the parasha. We know that Rashi compares Avram and Ephron. Right? They're going back and forth in the negotiations. Avram, on one hand, was Emor Me'at Vaseharbe. Right when beginning parshas Vayera, the angels come. He said, "I'll give you a little bit of water and he's, he, a little bit of bread." A little, and he gave him a lavish feast. Right, Avram Imormat Vaserabe, say a little and do a lot. Right, Ephron was just the opposite. Ephron said, "No, I'll give it to you for free." And in the end, he charged him a hand, an arm, and a leg. So that was the opposite. Emor Harbe Vasemaat. He says a lot and do a little. Right, that's obviously the antithesis. 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 The antithesis of. Uh, of Avram Avinu. So what Eliezer was waiting for was to see if she talked a big game. She wanted, he wanted to see, yeah, okay, the, pass, the, pass, the code here, the phrase is, is nice, but I want to see what happens afterwards. Meaning, is she a big talker? Is she like Ephron? Is she a more harbei vasemat? Or is she like Avram? Because to say, yeah, I'll give you a drink is not, not a big deal. And to say, I'll give you a camel's a drink, okay, that's talking big, but it's a lot of work. 
It's a lot of work to schlep all the water for all those camels. And sure enough, Rivka went and did it. And so when Rivka went and did it, right, so then Eliezer saw that her mitos were appropriate. And that, he saw that, oh, this is a granddaughter, or not a granddaughter, it was a niece, I guess, or, or a relative of Avram Avinu. Right, this, is the, this girl belongs in the family of Avram Avinu. She's righteous enough to be able to marry Yitzchak because she is also a mormat v'aseherbe. Okay, so I thought that was, I thought that was a shot. Uh, just for a minute, I want to mention, the Torah very often, in this part, if you look, the Torah calls Eliezer Ha'eved, the Eved, the slave, the servant, many, many, many times. And Chazal explained without getting too deep, because I just want to go, uh, want to wrap it up a little bit and just say one more word after this. Um, but basically, Chazal explained that Eliezer was the quintessential Eved, right? He was an Eved, as you know, we know it's good to be it. And Eved Hashem. But what does that mean? Eliezer, again, based on the Rashis and the, the Midrashim and, and the Chazals at the beginning of the Parsha, basically Eliezer himself wanted his daughter to marry Yitzchak. That's what he really wanted. He saw that, you know, I want you know, my daughter to marry Yitzchak, and, and uh, for good reason. Uh, and he wasn't a bad guy. But, and if you look at the Psukim discussion between him and Avram, so it seems like, you know, Eliezer is kind of stalling. So he says, like, oh, by the way, if, if I can't find a girl, where should I get another girl from? Like, he's kind of like, if you read between the lines, you can see, like, he kind of really wants his daughter for Yitzhak. And Avram says that's not happening. And Eliezer, obviously disappointed, still goes about the mission as if he had no personal negias whatsoever. And he is the quintessential Evan. He is mevatal his das. He is, puts his head down. Right? Master said jump. And the answer is, the question, all, the only thing I have to say back is how high. How high should I jump? I mean, that, that's, he listens. That, whatever Avram says goes. And that is why, one of the reasons why the, the whole story is repeated so much because Eliezer embodies what it means to be an Evid, an Evid Hashem. And if we were able to have just a smidge even of that kind of dedication, sorry, so then we would be on our way to becoming right, an Evid Hashem. Right? Again, the, the Kosh Baruch Hu says this, and we just, how high? This is a man of my das. I'm vatal my das. I, I don't have any tainas or whatever it is, this is the halacha, right? Even though I love to eat, I don't know, shellfish, I don't, I don't know, whatever. Shem says it's treif, the end, full stop, doesn't entice me whatsoever. Uh, so that, that's, I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. And finally, again, we started off by mentioning that this is a parsha of Shiduchim, right? This is the parsha to be in the parsha. Um, so just because you guys are either in the parsha or getting there, um, Rav Melech points out that there is a tremendous amount of Siat Yishmaya that goes into a Shidduch, uh, and everything is you know, with Siat Yishmaya, uh, so much so that a person should really, you don't have to scale back your establishment, but really a person, Rakosh Baruch Hu takes care of every single uh, Zivuk, uh, every single Shidduch. The Puzzle says by when Eliezer told over, the, told over the whole story to Lavan and Besuel, right, and asked if Rivka could come, right, if you give permission from the family, so Lavan and Besuel said, "May Hashem yatzah davar lo nuchal adabari lecharautov." Hashem from Hashem, the word the thing has come, right? I am not able to speak to good or bad, and this is the "May Hashem yatzah davar." That's like the that's the title of Rav uh, of uh, his little pamphlet this week. Akosh Baruch Hu arranges all the shiduchim from Hashem Himself. Gemara says in Moed Katan on Daf Yerches that. Uh, I'm a Rabbi Reuven Ru- Rabbi ben Itzrabuli, Itzrabili, 
very fascinating, fun name. Minatara Hashem Isha. It says it gives the Gemara that gives examples from Tanakh, from Torah, Neviim, and Ksuvim that Hashem sets up a man and a woman, and asks everybody, right, including what he's going to quote the Chazanish. I don't understand. You need a pasuk for that, right? He quotes, obviously, he quotes the pasuk in this expression. The pasuk I just quoted: May Hashem Yatzal Devar, Hashem, Hashem arranges Shiduchim. What do you, you need a pasuk for that, right? Everything, everything is from Hashem. Right? We're Maminim Bnei Maminim. But for Shiduchim, you need a pasuk. They're from t- all over Tanakh. Like that, that's what we need. Like this is like one of the biggest things in the world. Like why, why do we need a pasuk for that? So Rav Melech quotes from, from the Chazan Ish, right? This Sefer in Maisa Ish in Chelak Aleph. He says. That sometimes Kosh Baruch Hu runs the world through Hester Panim. I mean, sometimes Kosh Baruch Hu hides his face for certain things to leave room for people to err, to make mistakes, and think that there is no God or whatever it is. But by Shiduchim, Shem doesn't do that. Shem gets involved personally with full Ashkacha Pratis, moves people from here, from there, makes this happen, and that story happen, and this, this random thing happens, and that random thing happens just to set up a guy and a girl. There are tons of stories like this. Where did this happen and that happen and I missed my flight? Even even less dramatic than you missed your flight and got stuck in the airport for twelve hours and just schmoozed the whole time. Like whatever, there are tons of stories like this, and this is what the Rashbam writes. The Rashbam writes that when Basul meant when he said that, that I can't say anything good or bad. He said that I'm not able to intervene because whether I like it or not, this is Hashem doing it. They had you know a certain amount of you know emuna and realized that Hashem is is pulling the strings here, and we have again for us. Right, it's also true that Hashem is pulling the strings. Right, we have, we have less uh, than we think. Right, we think that we have ability ability to affect it. It's not re- entirely true. Right? The story is uh, is brought about. Rameilach brings the story in the Sefer Ma'atike Shmuel from the Brisker. Uh, it's not by the Briskerov, but it's about the Briskerov. That for other things in this world, the person needs a shtadlus. For parnasa, for health, etc., got to go to the doctor, got to get it, go to college, got to get a job, etc. But for shiduchim, he says. Very little ashtadlus is necessary, right? Because Baruch Hu is, is taking care of it. Right? There's no need to run after this shadchan and that shadchan and call, tell this friend and that friend, because as the Gemara says, ish machzor avidaso, and a man goes looking for what he lost. That's just a funny way to say that a man goes looking for his wife, right? Because his wife was a rib that Hashem took and right, made into a woman. Okay, whatever. Hashem arranges the shidduchim. Now. Uh, he obviously, he, uh, he, he says, the Briskarov says, why do you even need a shadchan at all? You should just sit at home and twiddle, twiddle your thumbs. He says, you actually don't need it. You actually could just do that. But okay, fine, that's a little intense. Uh, you know, they asked, the, uh, he tells a story also that Satmarov, how much shadchan should you need? But Shadukim, he said, just check into it a little bit. Just, just check in once in a while with a shadchan. Now, that's really scary. And I'm not telling you guys just to sit at home and twiddle your thumbs and do whatever. So, bottom line, Right, we definitely need to do a little bit of shtadlus, right, for marriage. But calling every single shadchan and telling all your friends and dating for two years and testing your boyfriend in all these situations to see how he responds, blah blah blah. Akash Baruch Hu rearranges the shidduchim, right? And while doing zero shtadlus would probably freak you out, and we're definitely not on that level, right? So it's, uh, it's not relevant for us. The bottom line is to relax and to have emuna and be talking and put our faith in Akash Baruch Hu that uh, shidduchim will happen. Right, at the proper time. It may not be at the exact time when you want it, but it will be at the right time. It will be at the perfect time for what Akash Baruch Hu wants from us. 
Right, as the Gemara says at the beginning of Sota, right, Arbaim Yom Kodim Yitzir Sevlad, Bas Kol Yotzeis Ve'omeris, Bas Poloni Ve'ploni, right, at 40 days before a kid's born, or before the creation of a, of a Vlad, whatever, however you understand that, uh, right, basically Bas Kol comes out and says, right, there's Shiduchim set up, right, at Kodesh Baruch Hu decrees it in Shemayim, right, full stop, right, Kodesh Baruch Hu, okay, there's all these shmuzes in terms of Basher, does your Basher change, or whatever, okay, but there's a concept of Basher, Right, Kosh Baruch Hu says that there's going to be someone for you, and it's going to happen at the right time, and Hashem is going to arrange it. So don't stress, and everything should happen in the right time. You should all have a tremendous, easy, easy dating experience, and a good zivug, uh, and it's Hashem. Uh, you know, you get all the bracha in the world from uh, from this parsha from having a money be talking in a Kosh Baruch Hu, uh, and a tremendous, tremendous Shabbos. All right, great, great to see you guys, and we'll see you next week, Mitzvah Shem.